0: Welcome back to Chasing Dramas. This is the podcast that discusses Chinese history and culture through historical Chinese dramas. This is Karen. And this is Cassie. Today we are discussing episode 12 of The Story of Minglan, or in Chinese it is 知否知否印是律非红手 Episode 12 is rather interesting and quite fun, at least for us nerds over here. It revolves around the all-important Metropolitan Exam, or Hui Shi, which is paramount for any academic hoping to become an official in the emperor's court. Normally, for this podcast, we discussed the plot recap for the episode before going into the historical references from that day. But today we are going to flip it and go through the historical um, reference of the Chinese imperial examination first, and especially how it's done during the Song dynasty in order to provide color as to what's going on in the episode. And then we'll do an episode recap. Otherwise, it's going to get confusing. We're going to have to explain a lot, um, but hopefully this will will provide enough context for us as we go through the episode. Now, again, to caveat, we are going to do our best to to translate uh, what's going on um, from Mandarin to English in this episode. It may not be the most official English translation, so bear with us. In this drama, the young men we see have been spending many years preparing for the imperial examination or imperial civil service exams. Keju, or the imperial examination, was formally established during the Sui dynasty. So two dynasties before where we currently are in this drama. And uh, just time-wise, it's late 5th century. It was how men were chosen to be a part of the state bureaucracy through a more meritocratic method. We've discussed this before, but to recap, the Song Dynasty placed a very high importance on academics, and those coming through these exams were regarded highly in court and in society. In the Song Dynasty, there were three different examinations that a man must go through. They were, respectively... Shu, or the county exam, Shu, or the direct translation is provincial exam, or in the Song Dynasty the metropolitan exam, and Dianshi which is the palace exam. The last examination, Dianshi, was established in the Zhou Dynasty by the only female emperor in China, Wu Zetian. But of the three we just mentioned, none were the Huishi that the drama talks about. So this was rather confusing. In many articles and books, there were only three exams for the Song Dynasty. Hui Shi, or the Metropolitan Exam, as mentioned in the drama, was actually only added to the uh, Kuju in the Ming Dynasty several centuries later. So the central exam taken in the capital city. During the Song Dynasty was actually the sheng shi, or the literal translation is the provincial exam. But during the Song Dynasty, that served as the metropolitan exam. Regardless, in this drama, the men are taking a very prestigious exam in the capital. I am a little bit surprised to see this uh, anachronism because the drama usually does such a great job of showing us Song Dynasty history. So I'm now really wondering, you know, why they they called it Hui Shi in this drama, but oh well. Overall, the imperial examination, so this process, continued through the centuries. And guess what? The final exam took place in 1905, just a little over a century ago. Can you imagine? For me, I feel like that's super recent. We think of these exams as an antiquated concept, but no, it was happening as recent as 1905. For this exam, there are various subjects or disciplines that you can take. The most difficult is Jin Shi or the Jin Shi Discipline or Presented Scholar. For the Jin Shi Discipline, test takers were required to have a thorough knowledge on Confucian Classics, History, poems, rhapsodies, inscriptions, political discourse, and much more. Poems and rhapsodies, or what they were called shifu, were actually abolished later during the Song dynasty as a testing requirement. The reason is that even if someone can write beautiful poetry, if he does not know the classics, how can he govern? This is the most rigorous discipline, and the one, if you score well, will give you the best chances for entering court and climbing the ranks, so much so that it became a prerequisite for high office. Well, it also does offer prestige and status, after the Song Dynasty, the other disciplines were slowly phased out. Originally, these exams occurred every year, and the Sheng Shi took place in the spring. According to history books, this was changed to once every three years during the reign of Song Yingzong, so the emperor after this one in the drama. Gu Tingyan mentions this in a later episode, but this also is an anachronism. When the drama was set, these exams, as we mentioned, should have happened every year or else every other year. For the exams, especially the metropolitan exams, they spanned over several days. In the drama, it is stated that it is only three days, which, according to my research, is accurate for the Song dynasty. In later dynasties, examinees would be required to participate in multiple sessions, each lasting three days for the various topics covered. Many could not handle the rigor and simply passed out. And There are some stories of um, examinees just simply dying. The Song dynasty held the most number of examinations and had the most number of Jinshi graduates. This was in line with the philosophy we mentioned earlier during the Song Dynasty of preferring the scholar intelligentsia over the military class. The increased number of examinations, though, did not mean the examinee had a better chance of placing. It was still extremely rare to place, especially in the Jin Shi discipline. Throughout the years, there have been various changes to the examination in order to make it more fair, so to speak. Essentially, it's to quash corruption and cheating. Exam-takers are sequestered into exam rooms in the examination compound. They are not allowed to meet or talk to anybody. They're stuck there, basically. None of the materials they bring in can have any writing on it. And this is why, in the last episode, all of the mothers we saw in uh, in the Sheng household were packing everything they could for their sons. In the Song Dynasty... The dynasty we're in now, new rules were set to reduce bribery, corruption, and cheating. Some of these measures included that the attending examiners could not be from the same county or prefecture where the exam is taking place. Names on the exam papers were covered in order to anonymize the exam papers. Future changes also included having the exam responses themselves be copied by someone from the examination bureau in order to prevent the examiners from recognizing handwriting. This was all done because people used to bribe their way into certain positions, so this presented a fairer exam experience. It also prevents the examiner from showing any undue favoritism to any of the exam papers they see. Can you imagine if I just don't like your handwriting, I'll uh, not let you get past or if I know your handwriting by heart of somebody that I really like, I will you know pass you. Those are all the things that this uh, uh, this was trying to prevent. Each exam is reviewed by multiple examiners before determining a final verdict. It's not to say that cheating didn't continue to occur, but yeah, it was much tougher to cheat. So with all of that background for the Imperial examinations, let's dive into the episode recap. In this episode, it is the day for the Hui Shi, which technically should be the Sheng Shi, like we mentioned, again, the Metropolitan Exam. The hopefuls get ready to take the exam. Four male characters in the show will be rolling up their sleeves and heading off to the examination compound. They are the two Sheng family sons, Chang Bai and Chang Feng, the young Duke Qi Heng, and of course, Gu Ting Qihong, the young duke, orders his servant to bring gifts to the Sheng family as a way of thanking them for all of their years of study. But in reality, he wants to send gifts to Minglan, such as another one of the nice calligraphy brushes that she had to give to her sisters. Minglan takes this opportunity to gift him a pair of knee guards she made herself. She puts them in the basket that the servant brings without telling anyone. Ti Hong originally was rather disappointed that she didn't say anything, but figured out that these knee guards were actually from her and is absolutely over the moon about it. He realizes that she does indeed care for him, even if she doesn't say it. It's quite cute. He figures it out because on the knee guards, she sewed in the form of a silver tail, or Yuan Bao. His courtesy name is Yuan Ruo, so it sounds somewhat familiar. And uh, the handsome young duke is so happy that she finally reciprocated his feelings. I mean, not really, but this is a giant leap forward. Shifting focus to Gu Tingye, he is prepping for his exams in the arms of his mistress, Yang. The watchful Chang Momo Mo prevents them from getting too handsy before the exam, though. Yang professes her undying love for Gu Tingye. He is thoroughly touched whilst Chang Mom outside rolls her eyes. And the day of the exam arrives. The various families send off their sons. The entire Sheng family is there to send off Changbai and Changfeng. Hung rides in in a very stately manner with his family behind him in carriages. Gu Tingye, on the other hand, comes simply by foot. So what I want to highlight here that in order for these young men to take the sheng shi, they all had to have passed the xiang shi. That means that these young men at least all had some potential. Now they're hoping to get to the next step. After a round of goodbyes and well wishes, the men head into the examination courtyard. Each one occupied his allotted room to spend three days for the exam. It should technically be a really tense and very, you know, nervous atmosphere. But back at the Sheng family, and this is probably one of my favorite scenes in uh, the drama. It's, you know, top five. Wang Tan is praying practically to anyone and anything, hoping that her son Chang Bai will pass and, and place well. Well, Wang Da is praying for her son's performance at the examination hall, or examination compound, and her husband walks in on the scene. He is thoroughly amused and slightly exasperated. He quotes from Confucius, basically stating to not put too much stock in the gods. His wife hilariously responds, You duo bu guai cai. too much oil won't ruin a dish, and li duo ren bu guai. No one will fault more gifts. She's basically like, if I pray to all three, one of them will give me some divine intervention, right? (laughs) Her husband, Sheng Hong, is in a pretty happy mood, but he chides her gently, stating that, you know, if their son, Chang Bai, didn't have the chops, no matter how much praying she does, he still won't make it. Wang Da Niangzi doesn't care. She's only praying at home. Look at the Duke of Qi's family. They've gone to the temple and donated a bunch of money. Something will work. She then tries to persuade Sheng Hong to pray a little bit too, but he's like, uh, no, I'm a court official. I'm educated. I will not partake. As soon as his wife leaves for a second, he hurries to pray, doing basically the exact same thing that his wife was doing. <laughs> he hurriedly stands when she returns and pretends to be all stoic. When his wife does some more prodding, he still waves her off as like, no, no, no. I will not deign to do this. Come on, man. (laughs) Really quickly in the book, Wang Danyanzi prayed to the gods and was like, whoever works, I'll keep praying to that one in the end. (laughs) She's so funny. This is a quick aside. Maybe I'm reading too much into it. But when Sheng Hong, or the master of the family, prays, the first name he says is Chang Feng, not Chang Bai. Chang Feng is the son um, born to him by Mrs. Lin. It could be that he's more worried about Changfeng, but again, to me, it's more about favoritism. I personally think it's probably because he believes Changbai doesn't need as much praying, whereas Changfeng um, needs all the help he can get. While all the men are locked up taking their exams, the three Sheng daughters, or at least Rulan and Mulan, continue their bickering. Just business as usual. But of course, tensions are higher because it is these two, uh, each of these sisters' direct brothers, blood brothers, that are competing against each other, so to speak. Ming Lan's getting updates from her maid about the comings and goings of Mistress Lin, so that plot line is still progressing. As all the families are worrying about the young men's performances, we get a few brief scenes of how each of these men is doing in the examination compound. It's late at night and Chang Bai sits quietly in his exam room, rather at ease with himself. At least, he doesn't look too stressed. Chang Feng, on the other hand, is actually just sleeping soundly, not worried whatsoever. Gu Tingye is, you know, interestingly doing a workout. This hints to us that he is physically adept and can withstand the pressure of this three-day exam. Qi Hong, the young duke over there, is reciting love poetry, looking at the moon outside his uh, window. He's also looking at the knee guards that Ming Lan gifted him. So just by these four people's reactions, who do you think will perform well? Feng's over there taking it easy. Qi Hong's over there just like focusing on the moon and uh Milan. and i don't know what workout gu ting is doing i think it's pretty obvious right <laughs> after three days each of the families come to pick up the young men and shortly after the time comes for Fangbang, bang or the day results are posted Wang Dan Yangzi is once again so hilarious. She eagerly stomps out of her courtyard dreaming that her son will place well and Changfeng places poorly. She's actually, you know, quite mean. She's like, "I don't really care. I just want to, you know, put down someone else," which is not the nicest thing to do. Almost as if it were karma, as she is saying this, she totally trips and falls through the doorway. Well, now she sprained her ankle and can't see the results for herself. It's really funny. She's like actually screaming when she falls through. Uh, there's a saying when the drama first aired that Wang Da Niang or Madam Wang, is the source of everyone's happiness. And this is the most perfect example. I think there was a ton of TikTok videos on uh, a bunch of her scenes because she's just so funny. The fact that Wang Da Niang sprained her ankle gives Ming Lan the perfect opportunity to accompany her sister to see the results, as a messenger on behalf of Grandma Sheng. Grandma Sheng is doing this also because she can tell that Minglan and Ti uh, Hong like each other, and this gives Minglan the perfect excuse to see him as well. While Grandma Sheng likes Ti Hong, she is very aware that his family is incredibly wealthy and powerful. It'll be a tough life for Minglan if she does marry over there. Ming Lan isn't fooled, and this is the first explanation we see of Ming Lan recognizing the challenges of being in a relationship with someone so wealthy and powerful. Because she is just a shunyu, or a daughter of a lowly ranked official, whereas he is the son of a duke. Anyways, all the families head over to see the results. Apparently, it was a thing that different families and different people waited in the crowd for the results to see who placed well. If a examinee placed well, certain families, such as merchant families, pretty much kidnapped the young man or the elderly gentleman to marry their daughters. There will also be plenty of matchmakers scouting for potential matches for their clients. We get a glimpse of a few men eyeing Chang Bai and Gu Ting Ye. When they find out uh, that one of them is Gu Tingye, they all scoff and discard him as a potential son-in-law. When we see that Changbai found out that he had placed, he immediately becomes surrounded by these men, hoping to take him in as a son-in-law. And he's like, oh my god, what do I do? This is quite funny. But how exciting, Sheng Changbai. The second son of the Sheng family placed as a Jin and in 13th place no less. The Sheng family is absolutely ecstatic because, as it is repeated quite often later in the episode, placing after just one try is extremely rare. Let's also take a look at the detail on the notification that's posted on the wall. From what I can make out, the... Uh, notification not only has his name, but age, his mother's last name, where he placed in the county exams, his father's court title, his grandfather's placement, and where the family is from. Man, that's a lot of detail. Oh, it also says that he's not married. Pretty cool little uh, detail that I just wanted to point out. And unfortunately, it seems that Changbai is the only one out of the four young men we've been following to place. Changfeng, Qi Hong, and Gu Tingye all failed to see their name on the results board. Changfeng is furious, Qi Hong is disappointed, and Gu Tingye feels like a failure for his family. Interestingly, Qi Hong, the young duke, is probably the most okay out of all of them. He is, of course, sad at not placing, but he steals a conversation with Minglan, who provides him with some encouraging words, and he immediately is pepped up again. His mother, Ping Ying Junju, is very intuitive about these things and notices that right after he talks to one of the Sheng daughters, he's like a ray of sunshine again. She cannot accept this and wants to nip it in the bud. She is a princess after all, and her son is to be a duke. What titles do the Sheng daughters have, hmm? Her husband is completely the opposite. She's like, is she pretty? What does she look like? Do we need to start asking? <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Again, Qi focus was on Ming Lan. I mean, how could he have placed well? So anyone listening, this is uh, maybe a warning that you shouldn't be dating. <laughs> I feel like I sound like my mom being like, no dating if you're actually, you know, studying and trying to uh, take exams. As for Gu Tingye, we see that his younger brother came to support him. Unbeknownst to him, his father and stepmother also came. It's obvious that his father is nervous, but he refuses to let his son know about it. (laughs) It's really sad because these two will never have a good relationship, even though they obviously care about each other. You know, it is really sweet that Gu Tingye's father came to see the results and kind of like support him, even though they don't want to show it to each other. It really is such a sad thing. You know, it is a waste. Back at the Sheng Manor. Sheng Hong and Wang Da Niangzi are absolutely over the moon about Chang Bai's placement. Wang Danyangzi hobbles out to greet her son and immediately orders the servants to prepare for a grand banquet and set off firecrackers. She wants the whole world to know that her son placed. It's a different story for the third son, Sheng Changfeng. He can only enter through the side door and be chided by his sister and mother. The rest of the family hurry over to deliver the happy news to Grandma Sheng. She is also extremely pleased, but immediately sets out to stop any celebrations that Wang Danyangzi ordered. As the daughter of an earl, Grandma Sheng understands all of the political ramifications of this act. But Sheng Hong and Wang Danyangzi are puzzled. She sighs and spells it out for them. Out of the four men, only one of our sons passed. How would the other families think of us if we're out celebrating? especially if the other families include a duke and a marquis. It finally clicks for Sheng Hong, and he immediately orders the servants to stop. Wang Danyangzi is disappointed, but hey, this is how any family has to survive in the capital. The topic then turns towards Chang Bai's marriage prospects. Sheng Hong didn't want to arrange a marriage before the exams for one main reason. A new Jin Shi is worth way more on the marriage market than not. A future daughter-in-law's family will be more willing to aid a son-in-law in in his career if he's already a Jin Shi. This is exactly what Grandma Sheng did for Sheng Hong. Sheng Hong did well in his exams and successfully proposed marriage to the Wang family. Remember, Sheng Hong is a Shu Chu, or a son of a concubine, but he was still able to marry Wang Danyangzi, who is Di Chu, the daughter of a wife. The reason is exactly because he passed his exams and was made a Jin Shi. Well, that and also the fact that Grandma Sheng, the daughter of an earl, was the one who proposed the marriage. Wang Danyangzi agrees to this and immediately tries to set up her niece with Changbai. Sheng Hong is instantly worried that Grandma Sheng will agree, but she brushes Wang Danyangzi off. We'll see more of the Wang side of the family in the future. And let's just say uh, they aren't that great. And again, this speaks to the wisdom of Grandma Sheng. Because Sheng Changbai is now a Jin Shi, he can command higher, uh, let's say higher ranking families for a wife and with those family connections can climb the ranks of court much more easily than his father ever did. At Mistress Lin or Lin Xiangyang's place everyone is moping so the scene is quite different. Lin Xiangyang is berating her son for his poor performance whilst he's sulking about it. Mulan isn't helping either, and this side of the family continues to bicker about Changfeng's poor results. Come on, who believes that he would have uh, tested well? Did you, Karen? No, I mean, he is, uh, no. It was obvious he wasn't going to place well. At a local restaurant, Gu Tingye is also drowning in his sorrows with alcohol, even though they should be celebrating for Chang Bai. Sheng Changbai doesn't understand how Gu Tingye did not pass the exam and asks Gu Tingye to see if his father can ask the examiners to divulge their reasoning. Perhaps even in the same restaurant, uh, at least outside somewhere, Changfeng resumes his partying ways with his fellow chums. They get drunk and some people begin to discuss current political events including who should be named heir to the imperial throne. This is a pretty big no-no. One guy subtly praises Yan Wang or the Prince of Yan and belittles Yong Wang or the Prince of Yong. He tells Chang Feng to not be too obvious. Chang Feng doesn't get the hint and immediately continues to praise and fawn over the Prince of Yan. Unbeknownst to him, his words are being carefully listened to by the uh, supposedly drunk guy next to him. Changfeng does not know what his words might cost him. Can you imagine why he didn't get uh, placed? Changfeng returns home the next morning, super hungover, and is once again chastised by his mother. He claims to be out networking, but whatever, buddy. The episode ends with, uh, surprisingly, Gu Tingye's father indeed asking the examiners on feedback for his son's examination results. What will he find out? We will talk about that in the next episode. That's it for the episode recap. The last piece I'll say about the exam and examination compound is that the examination compound shown in the drama is like a hundred times better than what it was in real life. Examinees were all sequestered into tiny rooms just enough to sit, and there were no doors or curtains, of course, to prevent cheating. There was barely enough space to sleep, let alone do push-ups a la Gu Tingye, and um, there were no windows for Hong to gaze longingly at the moon. The exams were the real deal. So again, this uh, drama kind of romanticized the whole examination piece, but In real life, these exams were really tough and very, very rigorous. I also do want to highlight that in a lot of the dramas that we see, most of the people, because they're well-known in history, were, uh, were placed well in these exams. But in order for you to actually even take these exams means that you probably had to have enough money to not work in the field and actually study. So most of the people who were able to read or were literate and could take these exams must have been wealthy to some degree, or at least had some type of money in order to uh, uh, study and not have to worry about um, food. So the population of people taking these exams is going to be you know, quite elite overall. We can say, it is meritocratic, but just as many of the uh, you know college admissions are meritocratic today, it really does involve some type of socioeconomic backing in order for a lot of these folks to make it to where they are. That is it for today. And today we've talked a lot about the Imperial Examination. The music you heard in this episode is the Jung version of the main theme of the show. The sheet music is written by Yu Mian Xiao Yanran and is performed by Karen. If you have any questions or comments on the show or what was presented in today's episode, please let us know. and thank you all so much for listening. We will catch you in the next episode.